Mainland Podcast is back. That's right. We had a week off. Schedules did not align. So we had uh, an unforced <laughs> or a forced week off. And we're back to talk about Orlando City Soccer Club and uh, three matches since we last spoke with you because this was a double match week and we have another game coming up Sunday. Uh, I'm Michael Citro. I'm uh, the managing editor and founder of TheMainland.com. And uh, we are SB Nation's site that covers all things Orlando City, Orlando Pride, Orlando City B of the USL also. And joining me, one of our terrific writers, Andrew Harrison. Andrew, it's uh, been a while since I talked to you, my friend. Yeah, it's been a while and we've got a lot of action to cover. We do. We have uh, two draws and a loss to cover. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it was good news. I just said yeah. it was a lot of news. There are, uh, as they say, good draws. Draws that feels like feel like wins, and draws that feel like losses. And uh, Orlando City ex- experienced both of those uh, in the last couple of weeks here, with um, the trip to Chicago and falling behind, but then coming back to take a lead, and then having several good opportunities to put the game away, but not taking those chances. And of course, the set piece goal late in the game, and Chicago draws Orlando City in Chicago on a week where Chicago had played a midweek game in the U.S. Open Cup on the road and somehow still the worst team in the entire league got a result against Orlando City. That one was the one that felt like a loss. I think that did feel like a loss because, you know, we still have what is considerably a new head coach. We have a good quality depth of of talent and Chicago were bad. They have been bad all this season until we seemingly came against this roadblock that seems to be the Chicago Fire. They knock us out of the Open Cups, and they just seem to be our bogey team in the East, and yet they consistently rank near the bottom, and we just can't get over that hump. Yeah, and the weird thing is, Orlando City's only lost U.S. Open Cup game to them. That's They haven't lost MLS games to them. They they draw and and win. They they mostly draw because that's that's who that's we are. Orlando City's way. Yeah, so that's that's the the personality of this team is is everybody gets a participation trophy. <laughs> There's no winners here. <laughs> um, but yeah, it it did feel like a loss, and it especially felt bad because it was really the first chink in the armor we've seen this season from Joe Bendick. He had uh, probably a chance to save both goals. And, you know, we've seen him make amazing saves as recently as uh, Wednesday night against uh, Toronto. But in that game, you know, kind of a pedestrian effort from Joe. It was. And, and I want to I don't want to blame him for the loss, though, because I think he's stood on his head so many times this year that mm-hmm. everybody has one off night. And unfortunately, yeah. there's a team of 10 guys in front of him that weren't able to help him out they weren't able to grab one more they weren't able to stop somebody taking that shot on goal were they soft goals without a doubt i'm sure he would love to have them back just after we saw some beautiful saves yesterday but Mm. it's not the way it goes and chicago on you know they're also on a tear they they've had some pretty good results after that draw too so Maybe we just faced them at the wrong time, but it did feel like a loss. And once again, it's our waveform also that we really struggle with. Yeah, and Chicago had just lost to a pretty brutal New England Revolution side. Yeah, uh, we are a, a really good wake-up call for teams. I think mm-hmm. um, you know, you, if you're struggling, play Orlando City, and you're going to have a good a good run of form. Uh, we've seen it time and time again. Uh, let's see, Seattle. Um, sporting Kansas City, you know, uh, and New York Red Bulls early in the season. Uh, teams that are not playing well love to see the purple team come to, to town because uh, it wakes them right up. Um, we, you know, we just we just get the juices flowing or something. Uh, I like how you said that you're not going to blame Joe Bendick for the loss in a game that was a draw because, <laughs> it, again, it did feel like it, a loss. It, it felt like one because we had, we had that momentum. Even in the game, we had it for a lot of it and we just couldn't seem to break down and I think we did feel like it was that much of three points that were going to kickstart our season instead as you mentioned a team seemed to see us coming and like a a switch gets flicked and all of a sudden they have to beat us to kickstart their season and Chicago (laughs) did it like you say and the Red Bulls certainly did it 
And we ju- who is our team? That's what I want to know. We've been almost two seasons in MLS now, and we don't seem to have that team that we're capable of kickstarting our season with. Yeah, it's it's unfortunately we can't play the Portland Timbers more often. It is a it is a shame, but I, I feel like <laughs> you know it would eventually come back to bite us. They would they wouldn't be our bogey team if that was the if we played them more than once. Yeah, you could be right. So uh, a draw two two at Chicago uh, again, a game that was winnable. Uh, some chances that weren't taken. Uh, I thought Sean Johnson played very well in goal for Chicago and, and made some some pretty vital saves. A couple of good, really uh, strong diving saves from one from from. He made one that was uh, right to left diving. I forget who t- took the shot. Might have been Laren, um, but it was a it was a great save. He made a couple of really big saves for them, kept them in the game, and uh, again, just not finishing chances, uh, heading heading free headers over the net on corner kicks and things like that. Um, I'm not even going to go with man of the match from from that long ago because it's just we got too much to cover. <laughs> so I just want to say that it just sucked to get a draw in a game that really should have been a win and a game really that Orlando City you would say that they pretty handily controlled most of that game I would think, but uh, just not able to put chances away. Uh, then a different kind of draw at Colorado going on the road against the second best team in all of Major League Soccer. And uh, it's a, a great defensive effort by Jason Kreis's team, uh, holding Colorado off the board and really not many chances, but a very anemic offensive uh, performance against, you know, to be fair, one of the best defensive club in the entire league. So uh, a nil-nil draw felt like a win in, <laughs> in some respects. Going on the road into the, the high-altitude game um, and, you know, on a poor run of form against a team that's on a good run of form and you go out and get a nil nil draw. That's a good result. Yes, certainly. I think, I mean, just us as a, as a blog will like, there's no way this, this is pretty when this 90 minutes is up and (laughs) we've been conceding goals left, right and center. We didn't have a good, we weren't able to break out against Chicago. And so then we're forced to travel altitude against a really a solid team that has had major improvements over last year, and we don't concede. So it mm-hmm. feels like three points, but unfortunately the league has deemed that we only get one point. And so, I hate the league. <laughs> you know, we should get wins for feel-good factor. We'd, we'd be all over the place, but um, it, I, it, it felt like a win to us. I thought it was a great defensive effort. It seemed like maybe we had turned a corner, um, but once again, just showing our need to find some effort up front that we just can't seem to get and something that Christ seems to have the ability to motivate the defense, but he doesn't seem to have the motivation um, or the ability to motivate the offense. And that's getting a little concerning because that's really where a lot of our chips are with Brekshay, Kaká, Baptista, Laren, Molino, um, more of your bigger names than the people that we've got on the back line. So mm-hmm. you would expect more of an offensive production from them, and he doesn't have the key to unlock those those five guys yet. Not yet. I think it's still a work in progress. He spoke last night about something that he's, he's talked about for the last few weeks, which is he wants these players to join the attack and provide numbers and, and you know the things that they are trying to do he says we have very good offensive players they're trying to do things that they can do and that they're very good at but they are not they, they they're trying to do them when they're outnumbered yeah. they're not getting they're not getting the proper pieces to the right areas in the attacking third yet and that, again that's when you go from one system to another you're going to deal with that and and the shape consistently sort of changing and, and being tweaked slightly a little bit at a time. We saw last night uh, Jason Christ tried to go to a single defensive midfielder and move Tony Rocha up and have three attacking, uh, a fourth attacking midfielder almost. So a little bit of a change there. Um, but, you know, it's it's slow to come. And you really saw it at Colorado because they're such a good defensive team to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then when you start to try to do things against a good team and you're not you know, executing, then it makes you look pretty anemic. And if you look at Kaká's numbers, even the last two games yeah. compared to the rest of his career in MLS, it's it's pretty 
staggering the difference in, in his like his passing percentage, his turnovers, and his you know his lack of of um, key passes and things like that. Those little those little indicators that say you know he's not quite sure what he needs to be doing, or he's not getting the help he needs, or or guys are in the wrong place, or you know it's just not quite clicking just yet. But it is nice to see better defensive efforts, and we saw that against Colorado. I thought the the overall defense against Chicago was a bit better, uh, not not better than Colorado, but a bit better than what we've had previously seen. The problem was those damn set pieces still continue to be a bugaboo. Both of those were secondary balls off set pieces. Um, and then, uh, you know, against Toronto, I thought, again, I thought they did a pretty good job of, for the most part, sniffing out the runs, sniffing out the danger, keeping the, the dangerous chances to a minimum on the attack, the problem, again, was when a loose ball just took a weird ricochet, fell to one of their guys, and they had a second crack at the apple. That's when Joe Bendick was was called in to, to be Superman, basically. Um, and he, he was pretty much all night. But uh, uh, let's get back to the Colorado game. For me, a player that's been playing very well since Jason Christ took over had a really uh, his MLS breakout game, as far as I'm concerned. And my man of the match pick for Colorado was Antonio Nocherino. Yeah, he he was good, but was he as good as he can be? I, I don't know. I, I, I still reserve a little. I'm still going to be really tough on the guy in that I think I, I don't want to get excited about one performance because he has to be much better than that performance to really consider himself going to be a great player in this league. And He's hurt. He's got a long way to go in my eyes before he had that. But he did have a good, solid defensive midfield performance. It was almost like all of a sudden that role clicked for him in this team. Um, mm-hmm. But saying that, I don't think he had that kind of game against Toronto. Just looking ahead on that recap, he he seemed to like all of a sudden go missing a little bit again. And I think that's what hurt the team um, as a unit as well. And you mentioned something also. We he talks about and a lot of the players now talk about defending as a team. It, mm-hmm. It's weird that then all of a sudden we can say, you know, it's the secondary balls that count because that's where defending as a team is supposed to stop those balls from happening. Um, mm. And the fact that they're ha- happening means that really the team isn't defending, a, defending as a cohesive unit just yet. It's getting better, but there are still a lot of breakdowns that are leading to these goals. Um, mm-hmm. My... I I can't think of the person who was my man of the match from Colorado. Um, I think it was um, it was the center back. I actually thought one the center back. Mateos. Yeah, I thought Mateos had a pretty good game considering. Yeah, he did. I hadn't. Once again, when we talk about a player who's played better <laughs> than recent <laughs> times, Mateos had that game. But I think he was really helped by a good, solid defensive partnership in front of him. Yeah, I really like the way the defensive midfielders have played the last few games. They've done a good job of linking the back line to the attacking midfield. I feel where the, the team is breaking down is the is in that attacking midfield. If you mm-hmm. look at the statistics, you look at the, the – if all you have to do is look at the attacking midfielders, starting attacking midfielders last two games and their passing accuracy. If you look at that, you see where the problems have come in. You see that they're they're either not clicking together – or they're making errant passes, or they're or they're they're putting balls to where guy they think guys are going to make runs and they're not making runs. Uh, I saw that a number of times against Toronto. I remember one particular that was uh, Kaká sent a ball in for Molino, and Molino had literally only one area of space he could run into, and instead of running into that space, mm-hmm. he stood stock still with his back to the defender, as if he were like a hold up forward, right? Yep. <laughs> and I, I just was apoplectic. I'm like, how can he not make that run? That's literally the only place he can go where there's not a defender. And, you know, of course, Kaká saw that because he's, he's, he's Kaká. <laughs> former Ballon d'Or winner. He's, you know, those guys see that space and they see that thing open up and, you know, they kind of see it before it happens. And, you know, Kevin obviously was out, a, a, you know, a couple games, but or a game and a half at least, and he didn't see it. And, and that vision uh, needs to come back and needs to come back in a hurry. Um, all the guys that we've played in the attacking midfield the last two weeks have been very good players who have a lot of skill, but they just are not working together 
as a unit right now. And and that is also hurting Kyle Aaron because he's uh-huh. not getting the service he needs. Although he did get a lot of chances. We'll get more on, more on that when we get to the Toronto game. But, uh, yeah, it's it, the Colorado game, I was happy with a draw. Uh, it would have been better had – it would have been a storybook ending had Tony Rocha connected on that late chance in the, like, the 90th or 91st minute. Uh, that would have been something if he would have beat Tim Howard to score his first MLS goal. Yeah, it would have been a great fairy tale ending for us, but we don't get those yet. We've got a couple no. more years and a few more books to read before we get those. <laughs> We're not allowed to have nice things. <laughs> exactly. No red this line what, for us. That's the mantra. And and that's you just keyed on it. The last three games, Orlando City has had a chance to go above the red line. They have failed in two of those three instances, and the one time they did... They got the draw to temporarily go above it and only to watch the New York Red Bulls completely blow a late two-goal lead <laughs> uh, to D.C. United <laughs> and draw and let D.C. back above the red line. But um, And that's another thing. We just can't get results elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's like all of a sudden, you know, D.C.'s been terrible all year. All of a sudden, they're getting results. Yep. <sighs> it's just it's never easy. It's not. It's not. But that's <laughs> the life of a soccer fan. Yeah, it is. And now, you know, I've I've kind of been blessed with with watching a lot of teams that are pretty good. And, you know, my of course, my beloved Roma (laughs) is just bad, (laughs) bad in the European League. But, uh, you know, bad. in uh, you know, when they when they go play continental soccer, they're they're a a constant source of disappointment. But uh, all my other teams have been very good domestically. And now I'm seeing how the other half live. Yeah, it's not pretty. (laughs) Yeah, it's not. So, speaking of not pretty, let's get into the Toronto match from last night. Uh, by the time this goes live, it would be a couple of nights ago. But um, I thought it was a very good effort against a very good, very hot, very uh, clicking on all cylinders team. And a game in which the team really should have had a result of some t- some sort. They got on the back foot early again, got beat on a, th- on a long throw in, a quick throw in. And Tommy Redding falls down, trying to get back to defend Tucson Ricketts, and they go behind 1-0. At that point, they could have already been up 3-0. Uh, Kyle Lahren had a, just a, a hat trick of golden opportunities, uh, shot one of them directly at Alex Bono, right at chest height, nice and easy for him. Missed the net by about 20 yards on the second one. <laughs> and uh, the third one was a nice cross from Kaká that uh, somehow... Laren could not get his feet set properly as the ball came in, and it ended up clicking off his heel and popping up nice and easy for Bono. And it was an easy... It wasn't even a shot. It doesn't even get a shot on goal for that one. So um, a tough, tough night for the Canadian. And I I didn't give him a very good grade. I did the grades this week. I gave him a four and a half, and I got ripped for it. (laughs) Uh, But I stand by it. I think that if you're a striker in MLS and a guy who's, you know, capable of a 20-goal season... You can't wando three times in a game. You can wando once, maybe twice, but you can't wando three times in a game. And I will stand by that. Now, he did score a very nice goal on a just a gorgeous cross from Luke Bowden uh, later in the game. But, um, again, those missed chances went wanting uh, when an offside Josie Altidore scored the game winner. Yeah, I I think you, you watched Laren just have three really close attempts and you already knew it wasn't going to be on night. Because we don't, as Orlando fans, we've just watched those two games that we just discussed, and we haven't seen those opportunities. And so they seem to come few and far between. They're like, oh, they're like buses. You get three at once, and you've got to get on one. We didn't get mm-hmm. on one, and it kind of changed the momentum and the pace of the game. Um, it, it looked sloppy. The, the goal that they conceded, you know, uh, the goal they conceded was a, a very sloppy goal. Um, mm-hmm. But Laren's You've come to expect more from him. You, he, he got the basics wrong on those shots. When you mm-hmm. thought he was going to curve it, he shot it straight. When he should have shot it straight, he put a little bit of a bend on it and just completely fluffed it. It, yeah. it was all about a little bit of a devolvement <clears throat> in his game yesterday. But obviously we saw that great. it was a great goal, but it was a lucky goal. And we don't want those. We need more surefire back-of-the-net strikes that... We seem to be missing, and, and unfortunately, once again, we are also relying on a very young man who is a yeah. great player and will certainly go far, but 
we're a team that's struggling. There's got to be more outlet when you've got such other good attacking midfielders on the on the, on the pitch. Yeah, second year pro, a lot of people forget. Yeah, but I, I say, like I said before, I stand by my grade. Yeah, yeah. I, I have I have my reasons for for not giving him a good grade. He worked hard. Yes, I appreciate that. He he hustled and earned corners and earned free kicks and things like that, and that was great. But uh, you know, and I've never faulted his work rate, but his passing accuracy was terrible. He only managed 30 touches in 93 minutes, mm-hmm. and that's not a recipe for success. And I know part of part of what he does for a living is dependent upon service, but you know. You look at a guy like Josie Altidore and what he did when he couldn't get on the ball and what he was doing was much different than what we saw Kyle doing. And Kyle will get there. He'll learn that. But he's not quite there yet. I think it's it's fair to say that as Orlando City fans, we really appreciate him, but we don't appreciate the fact that he still has so much to learn about the game. Yeah, and, and, and going to his grade, I think, you know, you grade as a team. And I think you can't have a great offensive grade when the rest of the offensive players on the field also didn't have a great night. You know, mm-hmm. a, a rising right. tide floats all boats. Um, <laughs> exactly. And if it's not happening, if it's not happening for one guy, and it certainly wasn't happening for the rest of them, um, mm-hmm. you're always going to be limited by the grade that you can give him. So I would, I think he was kind of around that day. He looked, he cut a frustrated figure um, against the Toronto side that was all. We were always cap- knew they were capable of going on to score more. Not necessarily at will. It was a pretty good defensive performance, and it has been over the last three games. But mm-hmm. there's time and time that we don't seem to be cutting out the silly mistakes, and and that breakdown between the offense and the defense was completely evident yesterday. Um, there was no connection between those two units in the midfield. Yeah, it, to me again, it broke down for me when the ball got into the attacking third. And and it was and my grades reflected that on the attacking midfielders as well. I, I thought Tony Rocha played very well. Uh-huh. Uh, if you look at his his numbers were great. He's another kid who's still learning the game. Not just learning the game, learning his teammates. He hasn't been with them that long. He's been training with them, but he's been more training with the with the reserves. He hasn't really been training with the senior side till just recently. You know, and, and probably in a lot of ways he's still in awe. Of, of playing with some of these guys, you know, and still I thought he was one of the best players on the pitch. So when he actually gets comfortable and, and gets to know what everyone's tendencies are and learns the system the way Jason Christ wants it to be played and all of those things come together, he's going to be a really good player, I think. And uh, I, I made, um, the beginning of the season, I made a bold prediction that we would get five games from Tony Rocha with the senior team or more. And that that prediction looks pretty safe at this point. Yeah. Um, I didn't pick him as my man of the match just because it really came down to him and Bendik, and I thought Bendik really kept the team in the game for extended period of time after it was 1-1. And Toronto wasn't getting many chances, but when they did get chances, oh my God, were they getting amazing <laughs> chances. Yeah. Uh, and and I, you know, we talked about the second ball, and and we talked about team defending. But a lot of that is just dumb luck. Uh-huh. Some of those deflections just right to a guy at the top of the box, you know. And, and, and yes, you, you need to have defending. That's where kind of for me also that I got a little bit angry and, and at the attacking midfield is I don't feel the attacking midfield defended worth a damn last night. No. And I don't think they really defended worth a damn much against Colorado either. Uh, I think that it was it was just on the back four and the two defensive midfielders. I don't I don't think there was nearly enough help from the you know from the attacking midfield and and I thought in particular I saw Kaká walking a few times and then and then realizing I could get to that ball but by the time he realized it he'd lost the race to the ball. Mm-hmm. So there there were at least three instances where I said man he is just not on his game tonight because he would normally have already figured out where that ball is going to go and went and got it and uh, he just looked a step slow now. Let's be fair, too. Probably the worst place you can play when you're not used to altitude after playing at altitude is in the muddy, thick, muddy air of central Florida. That couldn't have been easy for a 30-something player. No, and and on a bad pitch, too. Like, that pitch was in terrible shape. Um, They just didn't seem like it it wasn't moving for them. It wasn't playing the way you were expecting it to. Um, it, It was... 
it was about working as a team, but it, that breakdown is, and I think the attacking players, you know, you got to remember, really, we're playing four attackers, six defenders. I, I mm-hmm. can see why the attacking quartet don't feel like they need to track back the six guys back there. You're basically playing a solid wall almost if you slotted the two defensive midfielders in the back of a wall of six. And mm-hmm. why should they have to track back? But when you don't see that tracking back, and I think we didn't see it last night, that's what happens is there's no breakdown. You have to break through a solid wall of midfield that makes up Toronto. Um, Michael Bradley is a great defensive midfielder for distribution and that box-to-box guy that you need to play that system. And yeah. we don't have a box-to-box guy right now. And no. until we do, I don't think you're going to see a switch to Christ's preferred diamond formation. Um, but I think you started to see it a little bit last night when he moved, um, when he brought Carrasco on and moved Rocha up to start to see if you could get that fluid connection between the two units. Yeah. So I said Bendik was my man of the match. Who was your man of the match for Colorado? For Colorado? Yeah, I'm sorry, for the Toronto game. I, I went with Bendik, too, because I think without him, we're not even in that game. Um, yeah. It would have been a blowout. Um, I don't see how he probably doesn't win save of the week again with our fans um, <laughs> if he's nominated for that point-blank save. Um, it, he just had a great all-around performance. I think he came back from... I, I, I feel sorry for him that after another great night like that, he has to chalk a loss on his column. Yeah. It's it's funny because you know he like he said he he would rather not have to make a save all night and win the game and and you know we've seen some amazing things out of him we we've, we've got commenters on our site that rip him for the for the one v one goal he's got to make some of those stops like he's, it's a one v one man I mean he's, he's he's also made a lot of them this season <laughs> yeah I mean and this is this is a case of like take your pick of one of those shots should have gone in yep. right. One of them should have, and only one, you know, the only only the last one did. But, uh, man, it was, you know, Ricketts got him one-on-one. I, I don't really even count the, the Altador one because Altador, he, he recognized the danger, came out, but he got beat to the ball. Yeah. Plain and simple, if he would have had one, you know, if the ball would have been weighted just a little heavier, he would have got to it. Uh, but, unfortunately, it sat perfectly up for Josie, and, and uh, he got the touch that he needed to get by by Joe and, and score the goal. So he's also, let, let's be honest though. He's also Josie Altador. And as much as we rip him for finishing, he is still a U.S. men's national team player. And he's yeah, not, he's, he's not a, your, he's <laughs> not your running MLS forward that you don't expect to blow it. He is. Yeah, Josie what is, he's like third and he's like third or fourth, right? On the, on the all time goal scoring list for the U S. Yeah, so I, I, I take nothing away from him for the fact that he got beat by some really great plays last night. And that's, the ones that he was able to stop, he was able to stop. But goalkeepers are always going to be, it's one-on-one, so it's 50-50. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and the fact is, that is a big goal to defend. Yeah. And if you do everything right, as long as the shooter does one thing right, there's no way you can stop him. Exactly. So, the, the odds are uh, in their favor, so to speak. Yeah, may the odds be ever in your favor. Um, so, yeah, I mean... And again, it's 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 message board chatter, it's comment chatter, it's Twitter chatter. I, I had people in my Twitter timeline or the, the mainland staff, uh, the mainland site's Twitter feed last night. I'm done with this team. They're done. When is next season? And it's like, you do know you're a point out of the playoffs right now, right? <laughs> with several games to go. Yes, it's an uphill battle, but it was an uphill battle last year, and then they went on a, a string of, of results. And, and I still believe that if Jason Christ can just get this team on all on the same page, you're going to see results. And, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see one Sunday against his former team, New York City FC. I mean, that's uh, that's always a fun matchup, and it's now being recognized as part of rivalry week. And I think that was always the case. I think ever since the two teams came in together at the same time, there was there was always going to be somewhat of a rivalry. Mm-hmm. People from Florida don't like the New York teams. Nope. Uh, actually, people from everywhere don't like the New York teams. Let's face it. Let's be honest. And, um, you know, so that was always going to be a rivalry. It's, it's, it's an important game, and every game at home has got to be, uh, you know, circled as we have to get a result here because the road games have not been kind. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately for us, once again, you know, 
New York City are at least playing well. So if we use that with the Colorado composite, we should at least not lose. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the one thing that they have been able to do is get results against New York City. I mean, for all for all of New York leading the Eastern Conference most of this season until Toronto just uh, went ahead of them this week, New York City with a loss and a draw at home against uh, Orlando City this year. Yeah, um, it's going to be a good one. <laughs> That's all I get. Including, including getting spotted a two-goal advantage and a penalty kick the last time out, and still, still Orlando got a result out of that. So um, we'll see what happens on Sunday. Uh, turning our attention toward the Orlando Pride, well, they haven't done anything in three or four weeks. They haven't been playing, but the international break is about to be over the Olympic break and the pride will be in action uh, as this podcast lands on Friday. It will be tonight against the Washington spirit at the campground. Uh, pretty excited, uh, Andrew, to see Alex Morgan back in action in purple. I'm, I'm very excited to see our, our young ladies come back for some action. And I think it's going to be good to get out there and, and see if we can hold off and continue a playoff run. Um, I know that we're going to be missing some players that went deep in the Olympics, but it'll be nice to see some um, some good action against a really strong Washington spirit side um, that is really hoping, well, is definitely probably likely in the playoffs right now. Yeah, um, yeah. good team. Yeah, they're being a good team, and I think it would be great to see our, our, our girls Morgan and Harris and come back and take them on, especially Harris because it's a former team. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see that. It's um, uh, Jose Belanger is not yet back from Team Canada. She's expected back early next week. Uh, Laura Alloway from from Australia back, but has a quad injury, so she's going to be out. Uh, and of course, Steph Catley is out for the season, which is a really devastating in, uh, injury for the Pride because she, if if Ashlyn Harris hasn't been the team MVP this year, it would be Steph Catley. With without a doubt, I she was my one player that I was looking forward to coming back so that I thought she was the player that was going to be that catalyst for getting us to make that late season playoff run. Um, I think it's going to be really hard without her because some of her stats, she was one of the most offensive players on the team and she was playing left wing back. So she's going to be a big miss. Very talented player, uh, young player, still young, still so much left to accomplish in her career. Uh, broke a bone in her foot, her left foot, and so she is. Uh, she's out for the season. Unfortunately, she scored the first goal in uh, team history, Andrew. Yeah, and you know, I think for the way she's played this season, she deserved it. It, it you, you get what you give. Yeah, it, it, it she will be missed. Uh, another defender, Monica from Brazil. She is going to be in the 18. We're hearing she probably will not start. Uh, not quite. Um, should they want to give her a little bit more rest? So they're going to take it easy with her, and uh, so she will be back and uh, and available and probably will play sometime in the second half for the Pride. So even though the Olympics are over, not quite getting everybody back yet, some fitness issues, and uh, it's just, just some tired bodies after all the travel and all of the the intensity of the of the tournament. You know, people don't realize they're playing every couple of days, mm-hmm. and so they definitely need to, to let their bodies heal up a little bit and and uh, some people, at least, you know, they're upfront about it in some teams. And then you got Carly Lloyd when you don't really <laughs> know when she's coming back. Yeah, if she's uh, coming back. Yeah, so, uh, so we got to get the pride back in action and, and getting on with the season. There are only a few games left in their season, so they, they really need results every time out, especially at Camping World Stadium. Orlando City B will be back in action on the road this week against the Richmond Kickers. They just drew against the Richmond Kickers last weekend, um, 1-1. And it was, uh, a, a, you know, Richmond, I think, was tied for fourth in the Eastern Conference. And that was a good result considering the previous two games, they got beat by a combined score of 9-1 to and had two men sent off. So the, those two games on the road were at New York Red Bulls 2 and uh, Charlotte. And those two games kind of reminded me, Andrew, of the first couple of weeks of the OCB season. I th- yeah, I think we saw a step back, but I think what you have to remember is we they lost Rocha and Ambrose, who were good enough yeah. to make the step up. So the fact that they went out and got beat um, 
isn't necessarily surprising. You've lost some cohesion. You've lost some really good players that were giving you some really great minutes. So when you take those guys out, you're going to see a drop until you can figure out how to replace them. Um, that mm-hmm. doesn't happen immediately. Um, and <laughs> they kind of paid the price. They, they weren't great games from really any perspective from them. Um, yeah. Ridges didn't play well. Um, they just seemed to lack any sort of shape and coaching wasn't there to be able to fix it but i don't think that was a coaching problem there i think it was just the fact that you'd you'd built this squad around these kind of players being really strong um and then to just see them yanked out it's like building a failing wall Mm -hmm. on the other hand now they're not used to playing with these guys but on the other hand they got harrison heath back and now rafael ramos playing uh with ocb so he, Rafa's getting ready to, to make a comeback here from his hamstring issues that have plagued him all season. It's nice to see him get 45 minutes last week, and uh, hopefully he'll continue to try to get back into match fitness and, and maybe come in and spell Kevin Alston, who is, he's been kind of a warrior, Kevin Alston. He's a little bit unheralded, hasn't played great at times, but he's worked hard every game, and he's really given everything to this team this year. Yeah, I think, you know, people had some complaints about Rafa Ramos in those first few games. And I think Alston came in um, after Ramos got hurt and was able to kind of quiet down that right back spot that we had been looking for a lot last year. Um, He had a cool, calm temperament. I don't think he gets flustered. Um, And in a defense that has lost a lot of goals this season i don't put too many down to uh alston over there on the right side so you got to give your hats off to him i think that he's potentially going to keep rafa out a little while depending on the team that we're opposing and whether or not we need that pace in the right wing back spot yeah it'll be interesting to see how uh rafael ramos deals with this you know sort of the first adversity of his mls career he's, he's now having to earn his spot back uh, he's kind of had that spot has been his to lose and you know somebody finally has come in and played well enough to kind of keep him out of the lineup uh even if he's healthy so um you know it's it's great because i think this will really help him mature which is something i think we all agree that the young portuguese international uh needs a little bit of maturing and um you know we'll see how long it takes him to uh to respond to that I, i think that you touched on it i mean one of the things about Alston is he's been a calm customer, a veteran presence. He works hard. He, yes, he'll get caught switching off every now and again, just like Ramos did early in the season. But at the same time, he's, you don't have to worry about a red card at any given moment with him. Yeah, exactly. We, we talk about Ramos and, and last season, you know, his crazy foul against Columbus that got him a red mm-hmm. card and, and <laughs> just some other ones where you, and you still, you, I, unfortunately, you did start to see that early on this year, too. He he made some rash challenges, and you could see that he was just bubbling up close to boiling over. Um, yeah. And I think it was, it's been a good switch, because would we be worse off if Ramos had played and gotten sent off in two games this season? Most definitely. So hats off to him. I, I like that a young guy is coming in and, and going to have to fight for his spot, because that's something that we never really saw in the Adrian Heath years. As soon as you were back healthy, you were back playing. And mm-hmm. that doesn't help grow and, and help players to get better because they're not having to compete. They just have to get they just have to get healthy. Yeah, I think I am always been a big I've always been a big believer in breeding competition at every position. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why as a Dolphins fan I hate that they haven't brought in somebody to, to challenge Ryan Tannehill because he doesn't really have to work that hard to keep his, his starting spot. And and a lot of that, you saw a lot of that under Adrian Heath. I think, you know, there's it's a double-edged sword. You want coaches who are loyal, but you also want coaches who want, you know, to make people work for what they get. And I think that we saw a loyal, a really loyal guy at Adrian Heath, but I don't always think he was, he made people earn it. Yes. You know, I, I think he would... He would probably disagree. He, I think he would probably think that, yes, this guy earned it, and just because he was out a few games with an injury doesn't mean he's lost his spot, which, okay, that's, that's a, it's fair to have that philosophy. It's a, it's a valid philosophy. It, it, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think uh, that it, you know, I understand it, and I think that it's, it's as valid as any other point of view. But my point of view is you know, if somebody's stepped into the void and is doing well, they also have earned their spot, and then you don't replace them just because somebody came back from an injury. 
So. Yeah, I, I think that I think that was my biggest problem. Like last year was you'd see somebody go down hurt, their replacement would come in and they would be better, and then all of a sudden. That the other guy came back healthy, and they were like, "Oh no, he's instantly got his job back." And I, I didn't like to see that. I think you got to play the guy who's playing well as long as he's playing well. He has one bad game, okay, maybe you switch it out, change it up, but you can't penal. You're almost penalizing somebody for playing well. Yeah, kind of. It, it's you know, we'll see how it goes. I, I you know, obviously Jason Christ, very um, cerebral coach, very analytical and, and a much different sort of um, personality than Adrian Heath. And it's, it's interesting to see the contrast between the two. And I look forward to seeing him mold this team into what he wants instead of, to, you know, he's kind of right now having to, to force square pegs into round holes and, and or, or uh, not so much that as, as maybe, you know, coach something, a, a system that, maybe doesn't fit the formation that he's got the players for that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. I, I look forward to this off season. And also now that they've announced the expansion draft, um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see who the 11 protected players are. <laughs> oh, and don't think we're not going to have a huge, huge, <laughs> uh, discussion about that on our uh, future podcast. Um, so anyway, we talked about OCB and how they lost Tony Rocha and, and Mikey Ambrose to the senior team, and other guys have to step up. Guys like Zach uh, Ellis Hayden have to step up uh, at OCB, and guys like Andrew Ribeiro, who maybe weren't playing every day, they've got to step up. Uh, obviously, they were missing Pierre De Silva for a few games because he went off to play with the international youth team um, or the national youth team in the U.S. And uh, you know he's back in and settling in now, but they've they've got to to right the ship because they are in playoff position currently and they, they need to continue to get results the rest of the way and only one more home game left for OCB. Um, but speaking of OCB and guys who used to be at OCB, we've got a very special treat uh, and we're going to bring in this week's guest and talk with him right after this. Okay, joining us on the Mainland Podcast this week is Orlando City defender Mikey Ambrose, one of the newest Lions. Uh, Mikey, thanks for being with us on the Mainland Podcast. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm glad to be here, man. I'm glad to be here. So I want to just dive right into this and ask you about your, your experience, your, your first MLS game at Colorado. You get to start. When did you find out you were starting and, and sort of... Can you take us through what it was like for you emotionally in, in the build-up to that game and then throughout the evening? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, was a, it was a dream come true, man. I was, I was just so happy to, first of all, get signed to the MLS team, and I was just so thankful and, and grateful to the organization. And then two weeks into it, uh, I started training with the, with the starting team, and, and I – I had no idea it was going to happen, but then on the day I saw my name up there on the on the lineup, and I was just I was just so happy and excited to play, and uh, to go to Colorado and get my first start, I was I was it was a blessing, man. I was so happy, and it was it was so much fun, and I was I was nervous, but my teammates uh, supported me and all encouraged me, and it ended up being a great result for the team. Well, and obviously you've got some new teammates, when, and that includes people like Kakar and Julio Baptista. What's it like playing with those guys that you probably grew up watching on television? Yeah, I mean, Kakar's been an idol of mine for forever, and to play on the same side of the field with him is crazy. Uh, but I've just been soaking up all the information that they give me, just trying to learn every day. And uh, it's just such a good experience being able to play with those guys and learn from them. Mikey, did you have any idea when um, the club was trying to acquire your rights so that they could sign you to the senior team, or did that all kind of come as a surprise to you? Um, I had I had an idea they were trying to get my rights, but I heard it was a struggle, and it was the night the window closed is when Jason Christ actually got my rights from Dallas, and then in the morning he called me, and I had no idea. It was a huge surprise. I, I he called me and he said, "I need you. I need to talk to you." I was still waking up. I was like, "Yeah, I would love to sign." And I was—it was just a dream come true right there. 
Well, and obviously you, you you talk about Jason Christ. He's new to the team, and obviously you're a new player to the main squad. Um, how how has he changed what you've seen? Because obviously OCB and the MLS squad were kind of training together. How much is a change of coaching has he been from Adrian Heath? Yeah, I mean Adrian did a, a great job while he was here, and I really respected him. But Jason has come in and just changed changed a lot of things. It's uh. It's, uh, it's just structured differently now, and training sessions are uh, a lot more disciplined now. Uh, he works on uh, the defensive side of the game a lot more, um, and overall the intensity has just been increased. The fitness levels have been increased. Everything has just been just increased a little bit, and it's, been, it's just been great. It's been a great couple of weeks, and everybody's taking it on board and really believing in it, and it's it's been good. Mikey, I got a two-part question for you here. I wanted to kind of fig- figure out, like, who, what, you know, who do you sort of pattern your game after? Number one, and number two, who are the guys on the team that have helped you the most since you've been with the Orlando City's organization? Um, I, I've grown up watching a lot of left backs. Um, I mean, I try to learn from all the big names like Patrice Evra, like uh, Ashley Cole, like. Um, you know, Maxwell, all these, Jordi Alba, all these big guys. I try to learn. I, I watch a lot of soccer. I try to learn from all these guys. But um, from my team that I've learned from the most, I've, I've learned from Bods, Luke Bowden. Uh, since I've been here, I, I look up to him uh, as a as an experienced player. And uh, Serrano Carrasco has also helped me a lot. And Seb Hines, I would say those three guys have really helped me uh, just get going to play and and just overall just help me be included in the team. Uh, Mikey, I just wanted to, uh, uh, again to, to, to you know congratulate you on your on your first uh, first cap with the senior team. But what is thank the you, thank you. What, what's the big difference between playing uh, out at Titan you know soccer complex with the USL side and, and playing you know in MLS against guys um, you know like Colorado the other night and facing Tim Howard and guys like that. Uh, I mean, it was it was an awesome experience playing with OCB at uh, Titan Soccer Complex, and I really enjoyed um, the last five months that I was there. And the fans out there were awesome. But it's just it's just a, a little step above. I mean, when you go out in front of thirty thousand fans that are all rooting against you, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's just a totally different atmosphere, and it's it's just so much fun. It's it's such a fun experience. Well, and obviously you went up with Tony Rocher as too as well. Do you have you been sticking together with him because you're both kind of experiencing it for the first time? Yeah, I mean we live together. Uh, we've been we came up through the rankings together. We started at Austin. We were roommates there. Then we moved to OCB, uh, played together there, and then we moved up to Orlando City together. So yeah, it's it's been an awesome experience for both of us, and we. We're very happy from each other. Each one does something good. It's it's just it's it's awesome to see. I mean, we're close friends, so it's just it's a lot of fun playing together and moving up together. You know, you mentioned earlier that you you were a little nervous in the Colorado match. Uh, how long did it take you to sort of get the jitters out and and to just relax and play the game? Yeah, I mean, I've been waiting for that moment my whole life, um, and just working so hard to get there that I I was just so nervous when it when it was actually happening uh but just in the game i would say the first half the whole first half it was just getting the butterflies out just getting all the nerves out and then the second half i calmed down and relaxed and i felt like i got some confidence Orlando struggled defensively this year, and you mentioned that Luke Bowden is, you know, somebody you've really looked up to. How does it feel to really be, you know, competing with him for the starting job at left back? Yeah, I mean, it's a situation. I was, I was learning from him, looking up to him, and I mean, I still learn from him every day. But now we have to con- compete for the starting spot, and we're just, we're good teammates, we're good friends now, and uh, we're just happy when each other plays well. If he has a good game, I'm happy for him. If I have a good game, he's happy for me. So it's it's good it's good to have competition, but we're also good close teammates. So it's a good environment to be in. 
when you guys have been happy for each other the last two games because I, I, I think uh, we all agree that you played well in Colorado and, and Luke played pretty well last night uh, against Toronto, although it was a tough result. Um, you know, Mikey, the the every player has goals, and I'm sure you have goals that, that you have, uh, you know, things that you want to do. And, of course, the big one, obviously, was to get that first MLS uh, game in, and you did that. And was was it – were you really concentrating defensively first? Or are we going to see more of Mikey Ambrose moving forward into the attack in, in future games? Were you just trying to play conservative at Colorado? Yeah, I mean, I was – that was my first game, so I was just solely focused on defensively doing well and not making many mistakes if possible. Um I love to go forward. I love to attack. I think that's probably one of my best qualities. So I'm as as I get more comfortable and more confident, you'll start seeing me fly up and down the outside. You've got time to get there and, and get forward. And that's a system that we've started to see, especially change on the left side with Breck Shea no longer getting that opportunity at left back. Um, how do you think it's going to transition in you know the off season once Kreis, um is able to get all of his parts in place? Yeah, I think in the off season we're all gonna really buy. I mean, we already have him, but in the off season he'll get Christ will get time to just mold us into the the team that he wants to be. And I think I think you've already seen a couple pictures of the way he wants to play with uh, the high pressing and the the uh, discipline uh, defensively and and the possession. Uh, but I think with the off season he'll be able to incorporate it a lot better throughout the team and. And it'll it'll be fun to play in that system next year. Well, Mikey, we've enjoyed talking to you tonight. Before we let you go, I wanted to just get one final question from you, uh, one final answer to our question. I want to know what happens when Mikey Ambrose scores his first MLS goal. What's the celebration going to be like? What is what you have something planned? You have something choreographed? Uh, I don't know. I like to dance a lot, so there might be a, a dance coming. I'm not sure. well we'll hold you to that for sure uh thanks again for being with us on the mainland podcast mikey best of luck to you the rest of this season and and throughout your career and we hope to have you on again sometime in the future thank you very much guys i really appreciate it well that's just about all the time we have for this week's mainland podcast andrew we want to thank our guest mikey ambrose who um i'm sure sounds like i sounded when i was 12 <laughs> uh <laughs> he's got that he's not only a young baby-faced kid who looks young and is young he sounds young he, he sounds young but he's got his head on his shoulders and he's going to be good for this team he really does i i thought that maybe of anybody in the last two years for this team his debut may have stacked up as well as anyone's yeah, I think he came in and gave a good accounting of himself and also why, you know, he, uh, Christ in the front office went out and traded for his rights. They saw something special on him. And it's great to see that OCB is already paying some dividends. Yeah, and, you know, for all the, the fact that, you know, this team doesn't have a, like, quote-unquote, real general manager, it's, you know, acting general manager Phil Rollins, and, and then he's got an assistant uh, to identify in the off season, you know, two youngsters like Rocha and Ambrose who could, who could potentially play for that senior team and to bring them in on, on USL contracts and to, you know, to see them play, watch them develop, learn that they're good enough. And then to make those deals to get them on the senior team showed a lot of force, you know, a lot of foresight that I think uh, is a very overlooked aspect of, 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 you know, you know, it's easy to see Nocherino struggle for two months and go, wow, what a big mistake. But it's harder to see the long game that the team played with Rocha and Ambrose. Yeah, and I think, let's be honest, this front office right from the get-go has always been about the long game. There's a reason we have, well, we have two young DPs. One of them is not in this country currently, but um, <laughs> we have two young DPs for a reason. This team and this franchise is about the long-term game, and I think... Being able to scout that talent and make sure that you give up the right parts for the right players is, is good GM managing. Mm-hmm. 
long-term game as long as they're players. Yes. Not going to be not going to play the long-term game with our coaches. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that might have been a small hot take there. That was a that was a very hot take. I don't know how small it was. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I've made any. Uh, <laughs> look, as much as I think the, the Jason Christ hire was a great hire, I've made no I've made no bones about the fact that I think it was a mistake to get rid of Adrian Heath when they did. Uh, I understand why they did it. I understand why they did it when they did it, uh, but I still don't agree with it, and I don't think that it was. Uh, I think it was a bit disingenuous to to sit down with a coach and talk about a three-year plan and then not give him three years. But, I mean, we see that happen in sports all the time. So it's not a surprise, um, but that's just my opinion on the matter. And I'm sure other people disagree, and maybe some people agree, and everybody's opinions are just as valid as everyone else's. So, <laughs> uh, so we'll move on to our key matchups and predictions for Sunday at the big campground. Uh, Orlando City SC against New York City FC. <laughs> good inf- good so emphasis what, there. What is your key matchup and your score prediction for this Sunday? Uh, my key matchup is Laren against Brilliant. Um, Brilliant has been having a monster season. Um, he's probably going to be on MLS Team of the Year when it's all said and done, as long as New York City don't completely implode. Um, I think Laren needs to be smart. I think he needs to be able to get that service. Um, but Laren's going to have to hold him off because he's really putting a lot of great forwards under the pressure right now. Um, I am unfortunately going negative on this one. I, As much as I will be there cheering them on, I think they lose 2-0. Ooh, wow. You're going for a... Three losses in a row at home after a uh, full year without a loss at home. I, I am. I, I think New York City are just clicking right now. I think we are just struggling. I know this will be a, a game a lot of the team is amped up for, but I just don't see us clicking against a franchise that has had a, a, a new coach for almost the full season, um, has being able to put his own parts in there, and I think he's been less controlled by the ownership with the people and the parts that he's put in there. Um, and he's developed a squad that is capable of winning, and just as we'll be up for it, they'll be up for it as well to show that they're the best expansion franchise from 2015. All right. Well, uh, I appreciate you sharing that with me. Uh, I am going to say... Uh, I'm going to go a little bit different. I think my key matchup is what we've seen for the last two games is a very lackluster attacking midfield. I think that is crucial for Orlando City's attacking midfield to have a good game. So my key matchup is Orlando City's attackers in the midfield, Kaká, if it's Shea, it's Shea, if it's Molino, if it's MPG, whoever it may be playing in that in those roles. How do they play against the defensive midfield and back line of the uh, and the fullbacks of of uh, New York City FC? I think that that is my key matchup. They must do better than they've done the last two games <laughs> to provide not only to to get scoring chances for themselves, get Kevin Molino back on the score sheet and get his confidence back up uh, after some time missed and and then a couple of lackluster performances. Uh, but I also think that they need to get service back to Kyle Aaron and, and get him more chances and get him back on the ball uh, to get him some goals with his feet. It would be nice to see more goals with his feet. Okay. Seeing what he could do with his head lately, his feet, we need some more goals from those. Although he did have one uh, a few games ago. So, um, As far as my score prediction, I think that Orlando City will get up for this game on behalf of their coach and put forth a heck of an effort. And still draw two two. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just figure that Villa is going to get one. He's usually very dangerous against Orlando City and against everybody else. I, I think Lampard or somebody like that may get the other. And I think that Orlando City's offense has been pretty good this year. And again, they scored one against a very good defensive team in Toronto, and had many chances to get another one. I don't think they miss as many opportunities against New York's back line as they did against Toronto's back line. And um, as, as good as Briant's been and, and the times Matarita, I still think that you can get at New York's back line better than you can Toronto's. And I, So I see some goals being scored. I think a 2-2 draw is, sounds about right to me. Sounds good. I, I mean, I, I, I can't disagree with you too much. <laughs> I think it's whether or not we turn up. I, I, I think 
the one thing that's disappointed me from this franchise whole is how the fact that we can't seem to make the weather count in our favor. I, I, I still don't understand that. So unless we can figure that on Sunday night, then we, you know, we're certainly to get something. Yeah, and uh, we might be underwater on Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. How about this? It's only <laughs> they only lose if the game goes ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so potentially a huge storm out there. Wait, that might uh, kind of, might kind of ruin everything on Sunday, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, and uh, we'll hope for the best, and hopefully everything will miss us. Excuse me, and hopefully everything. If it's just rain, we can deal with that. Mm-hmm. If it's lightning, then, you know, you can't. Or if it's, like, excessive rain to where there's huge puddles on the pitch, then you, that's not good either. But uh, that's that's not safe for the players, and it's not good for the fans. So uh, so anyway, that's, that's going to do it for uh, episode number 62, Andrew. Number 62, because we, we skipped a week last week. So it uh, was supposed to be 62 last week. But, again, schedules didn't align. It happens from time to time. We... We all have real lives that we have to go and take care of things. And uh, I appreciate you being back with us this week again after traveling earlier in the week for business. Or I think it was business. You had a business trip? Yeah, I was in Miami earlier this week and uh, yeah. doing some business and meeting some people. And I actually got to sit in a $1.3 million Bugatti, which was fun. Wow, nice. Uh, well, I don't miss words when I go on business trips. <laughs> I think all of the cars I've ever sat in combined probably are not worth that much money <laughs> in, you never know <laughs> in my entire life um but yeah actually i've been in a few limos so maybe i altogether maybe it's kind yeah of you're cresting you're probably at least cresting up there <laughs> yeah all right so we want to again thank uh left orlando city left back mikey ambrose one of the newest additions to the team for uh, being with us on the mainland podcast this week uh we will be back next week to break down new york city fc at Orlando City, if it happens, if the weather <laughs> cooperates. Talk about the pride and spirit. And uh, OCB, of course, uh, at Richmond in another vital road game, uh, trying to fight, get a result, and stay above that line, stay ahead of Bethlehem Steel FC for that last playoff spot. And um, so on behalf of Andrew Harrison, I'm Michael Citro. You can come and, and see us uh, online, not see us, but see our work online at themainland.com. Follow us on Twitter, at themainland. M-A-N-E in both cases, not M-A-I-N. And uh, follow us uh, on uh, on Twitter, uh, like us on Facebook, and uh, please, if you like what you hear, uh, please go to iTunes and leave us uh, a, a nice review. We'd really appreciate that. Thanks so much. That'll do it for Episode 62. On behalf of Andrew Harrison, I'm Michael Citro saying, Go City!